0: Lord, Acts chapter number three, if you would, Acts chapter number three, we find ourselves this morning asking a question, and we will come back to this question here in a little while, and you have to answer this question for yourself. Here's the, here's the question, are you more thankful for the blessing or the blesser? Now look, I get every single one of us this morning, right this very moment, we're going to say, well, I'm thankful for the, more for the, the blesser. And the blesser is the Lord Himself and and what He has given us. And we're all going to say that, but here's what I really want you to do. I want you to sit back for just a few moments. I want you to think about your personal life, and I want you to ask this question. Does my life reveal that I'm more thankful for the blesser than I am the blessing? In this portion of Scripture, you're going to see exactly what we're talking about, and I believe both go hand in hand. But if we ever get to the point where we're always asking and thanking God only for the blessings... But we just simply forget to thank God for who He is in our lives. We've missed it. You see, the greatest part about those blessings is who gives the blessing. Uh, There are some things that I treasure and some things that I have at my home that I will always look back at and I will say, Man, I'm thankful. For instance, I'm thankful for the Word of God that my grandfather used. And I have one of those, those Bibles that he used in my house. And I'm thankful for that Bible. I'll always cherish that Bible. But I'm thankful for some of the things that I go and I look through that Bible and I see that the Lord was dealing with my grandfather. And I thank the Lord for what he was doing in his life. I own a knife. My Opa passed away. Opa is short for grandfather. It's German. They were German. And we would always call them Opa and Oma. And my Opa passed away whenever I was young. And one of the things that I received from him passing away was a knife. On that knife, it's a knife, and it has a a plane flying through. He loved knives, he loved planes, and I remember I still have that knife, and it's boxed up in one of my boxes that just says, Josh's Memories. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for some of those those items that I've been able to receive, and there's going to come a day whenever I pass away, and Jackson and Holly and Charlie will get some of the things that were Dad's. And I imagine that they're going to say something along the lines of, or I would would hope so at least, that they'll say something along the lines of, I'm thankful for all of these items. They're great. But I'm just more thankful for my dad. There are some things that this morning we could reflect on. There are some things in our own personal lives that we could go back and we could say, man, look what God did here. And look what God did here. Where we oftentimes get so caught up in the blessing That we say, Lord, thank you for the blessing, but we haven't really just simply said, Lord, thank you for you. Man, what a God you are. What a Savior. Acts chapter number 3 comes after a series of events. In chapter number 2, as you look there, you'll see in verse number 41 that the Bible says, "Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and We see the church is being added to, and this is Acts chapter number 2 that we're dealing with. And as it closes Acts chapter number 2, you come to Acts chapter number 3, and notice what begins to take place. A miracle begins to encounter, if you would. And as you walk through this miracle, you'll begin to see different groups of people. You'll begin to see Peter and John and how the Lord used them. You'll begin to see the the lame man. He was lame from birth and, and man, some of the things that he had to endure. And we're going to look at that and the example that that is and how we can glorify the Lord through the testimony of this lame man. We see a, a crowd of people that begin to show up. And each of them had a different response to what was going on. And notice with me, if you would, chapter number 3, the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Again, this is speaking of the lame man here. We're going to look at the the many places that you would find individuals like this. Oftentimes they were found in three different places. One would be the temple. They would often be found at the temple. There was a great group of people. There were crowds that would walk into the temple. And so there would always be individuals like this one who would be there because they were waiting for people that they could ask help for. And they would also be found sometimes and they would be found at a rich person's house and they would be found there because, man, they've got... Uh, The money, surely they can do something. And so here in a little while, we'll look at the many places that you would find people like this. But in verse number 4, you continue on, and it says, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength and he leaping up stood and walked uh, walking and leaping and praising god he walked into the temple entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising god and all the people saw him walking and praising god and They knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with the wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed or held, Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness we we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses." And his name, through faith, and his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith by which or which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, and that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you. Whom the heaven must receive unto the time of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And you continue reading on. Chapter number 3 is a very interesting chapter. It's one as... I was talking to Brother John this morning. I knew already kind of which direction I was going in and what the Lord had laid on my heart to preach, and it's as though all of this began to kind of come together, and I thank the Lord for it. Chapter number 3, as you come to this important chapter here, you begin to see in chapter number 2 that it comes to a close, and the people were still hungering for the Word of God. Can I share with you this morning that I am thankful that there are many of you this morning who have come into the house of God, and you haven't come because Josh Farmer's here. You haven't come because your family has come. You haven't come because you have a friend here. You've come because, hey, you're hungering for the Word of God. Can I encourage you, if you have come for anything other than the Word of God to be preached, you've come for the wrong reason. It's the Word of God. The Bible goes on in chapter 2 and says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and single of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. But you back up a couple of chapters, you begin to see that it was the Word of God that they desired. Sure, the fellowship of brethren is wonderful and the, the, the times in which we're able to be together is glorious, but it's the Word of God that brings the joy to our hearts. And these individuals understood that. As you go on and you see that the Bible says in verse number 42, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers, and you begin to see that the emphasis was on the Word of God. Uh, you think of Nehemiah. I love talking about the book of Nehemiah, but there's just such a strong principle there that as Nehemiah is making his way uh, through and he's being used of God to do a work for the Lord... That the physical work of the, the rebuilding was finished, and Nehemiah understands that, and the people understood that, and so he begins to bring Ezra the scribe out of the scene, and the people look at Ezra and say, hey, that's wonderful that you're here. Just make sure you bring the book. Uh, it'd be a little awkward one morning if I showed up to the, the church, and I was here, and I showed up with donuts, and I said, man, I've got you guys some donuts, a Krispy Kreme, the light was on. And, man, it was good. And, hey, I've got some chocolate milk that's homemade. I've got some regular milk. I've got some vitamin D milk. I've got whole milk. I've got skim milk, if you want to call that milk. I've got 1% milk, and we can go on. I've got all these things. Man, we're going to have a good time. And I said, but I forgot my Bible, so you're going to have to bear with me. It would be a little awkward, wouldn't it? Shame on any of you who would say, praise the Lord. Well, all we have to do is eat and leave now. No, I pray that you'd say, well, if you don't have the book, why am I here? Why would I show up? Those donuts might be good, but I don't just need the, the physical nourishment. I need some spiritual nourishment this morning. And you see, in Scripture, the Bible teaches of that spiritual nourishment. In 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may he- grow thereby. 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can I share with you, in our day and age in which we are living in today, there are so many different teachings out there that we as a church and we as a people need to take Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.15 a little bit more serious. There are so many different doctrines that are being pushed out there in different ways all of a sudden that people are saying that you can get saved and you can do this and you can do that. 2 Timothy 2.15 is so vitally important. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't come into the house of God in hope that the preacher gives you all that you need for the week. No, get in the word alone. Spend time to, alone getting in the word of God by yourself and saying, Lord, you speak to me. You know why oftentimes people walk out of the house of God many occasions fired up after they've been in church on a Sunday? It's because they've been fueling up Monday through Saturday. And all of a sudden it's overflowing. You come into the house of God, if you come into the house of God empty, it's hard to engage in the preaching of the Word of God. It's hard to get something from God's Word because you haven't been feeding that all week. When you feed the Spirit, all of a sudden you get into the Word of God. You say, man, it's been a good week. I have fed on the Word of God. And all of a sudden you walk into the house of God and prayerfully the preacher preaches and delivers a a, a passage of Scripture and the Word of God is preaching. You say, man, thank you for that that message. Thank you for the Word of God being preached. All of a sudden you're overflowing. Why? Because you have also been feeding yourself. Far too many Christians are living their lives in such a way that they're hoping the preacher fills them up so that they can get through the next week. And that was never the intention. That was never God's plan. God desires that every single one of us, we would get along with the Lord every single day and spend time in the Word with Him. You see this principle throughout Scripture and you see the importance of the the reading of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study. At the very end it says, rightly dividing the Word of truth. 1 Timothy 4.13 again, till I come, give attendance to reading. It's not just something that he is saying, hey, this might be something good for you to to, to think about. No, he's saying, do these things. You want to to get all that God has for you. You want to see all that the Lord wants to do with you. You want to to spend and commune with the Lord and see Him for who He truly is. Get into the Word. As you come into chapter number 3, chapter number 3 opens up and it begins to list some of the things that were of utmost priority at this time. There was a priority of prayer. The Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter number 3, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. It was not something that they just kind of did occasionally. This wasn't just something that they said, you know what, today we we might just go ahead and spend some time in prayer. You say, well, how do you know that that wasn't the case? Go with me if you would, one chapter forward. Chapter number 4, and notice what the Bible says in verse number 13. It says... Again, speaking of Peter and John. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, we were just here a couple of weeks ago, they marveled and they took knowledge of them. Notice the statement right here. They had been with Jesus. You want to know one of the things that is a very strong inclination, if you would, that someone has has been spending time with the, the Lord? You begin to talk to them about their prayer life. And all of a sudden, you begin to see those things being lived out. And you say, man, that person right theres they've been with Jesus. Peter and John had been with Jesus. Peter and John, as you come to this portion of Scripture, you begin to see a miracle taking place. And you begin to see that they had gone up together. The priority of prayer was being placed here. The priority of not only prayer, but the priority of these disciples. As I began to read, I was wondering, well, what was the, the, the role of the disciples at this time? What were they? What was the, the important factor of them? Why were they so vital in this time? And as you begin to see, the Bible goes on in verse number two. It says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. As you go and you begin to see the priority of the disciples, the disciples were the ones at this time, they were to see the needs of the people. And as you begin to walk into this passage of Scripture, you begin to see that they saw uh, Peter and John. But notice in verse number 4 it says, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him. That word "fastening," if you would, is a very interesting word. It's also used in chapter number one in a different word in the same context. And as you begin to think about that word "fastening," it, it speaks of a strong fo- focus, an unwavering focus, intently looking at, earnestly looking at. We have a dog. Uh, we have we had three dogs. One of our dogs just recently passed away, and we have a dog by the name of Royal. Royal is a husky and a wymerainer mix. And uh, he's, one of the, he's the best dog I've ever owned. And uh, Royal has uh, a little bit of that husky fur. He's got a husky tail. He's got a little bit of the husky fur, but his body is built like a Weimaraner. He's got the Weimaraner eyes. And uh, the other day, me and my father-in-law were at the house, and we were outside for a few moments. And, and Royal is one of those dogs. He don't really care for the dogs. He ain't going to fight another dog. He just don't really care for the dogs. If we were to say, hey, let's take our dogs to the dog park so they can hang out, Royals just going to go do his own thing, and he's going to leave your dog. He just don't care about other dogs. He likes to be alone. And, uh, but he doesn't really do much. He don't play fetch. He, 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 he'll go on a walk, and he'll walk with you. If you. He's outside right now. We've got an electric fence, and so he just wanders the yard. If I were to get on my blink camera right now, he's probably sitting in the yard right in the middle of the sun, just letting the sun hit his body. He don't really do much. And so when he does do something, it's a little bit, what's going on? And we were at the house the other day, and those of you who have hunting dogs, those of you who have, uh, you know, coon dogs or beagles, or uh, even a is 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 used for some fishing and things like that, there are certain motions that they make that you say, okay, they see something. And Royal was underneath our trampoline in the backyard, and he was just like this. And it was interesting because every single time that he took a step, if he took a step with his left hand, he brought that, that paw up like that. And all of a sudden, if he took another step, he'd put that paw down, he'd bring this paw, he, he was, but his, his body was straight. Now, he's got, he, what throws you off is a Weimaraner's tail is going to be, like, straight, you know. He's got that husky tail, so that husky tail kind of wraps around, so you can't really tell if something's going on because he, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a mutt, you know. So he's, he's not a purebred or anything like that. So he, he's, he's just steady looking, though. And so we're standing out there, and I can tell he has fastened his eyes on something. And so I went over to him, and I went over to him, and I took that, that red collar off of, his, off of his neck. And all of a sudden, Royal begins to just slowly walk the area. He knows his boundaries. And so he, he there's a message right there, by the way. He knows his boundaries and he begins to, to walk in that area. And as he's walking in that area, he's, he's bringing that paw up, but his eyes are fixed. As, as he's, he's moving, his eyes are still fixed on one area. And so I got to thinking, and, I, and we were talking about it, and it's just interesting. I got on the camera later on that day. I said, Look at him. He is still in that spot. He's underneath the trampoline, and he's just, I mean, for hours, just stood there. And uh, so we, we began to talk about it a little bit, and a couple of nights b- before that, there was a, a group of bunnies that ran right in front of our yard. Now listen, he hasn't gotten one yet, but if he does, bye-bye bunny is all I've got to say. But I was out there mowing, and you know that fur, the, the, it's not really fur, but you know how them, them bunnies will bed down, and they, they start to, to, to make that little nest. He had smelled that bunny's nest and he just was standing there like this. Peter walks into a scene. He sees a lame man. And I'm a visual person. I picture Peter as he's walking. He's, he's walking into this city and he sees this lame man. I'm going to illustrate this for you this morning. Jacob, come here for just a moment with me. If you would, just sit right here on the ground. Yep, just sit. Well, turn to the crowd for me. Put your legs out. Now, this man is, is a lame man. I'm going to try to get out in front of these speakers, and so if they, they go crazy on me, shut me off. And Peter and John are walking into the city. This entire the life of this man, he, he was born this way. He couldn't do anything on his own. And we're going to get to that here in just a few moments on, on this man's testimony. But this man is, is begging his, his, his hands are probably like that right there as he's asking. He's probably, anytime someone walks by, he's speaking to them. He's looking for something. He's looking for some blessing. He's looking. He, he needs something that only other people can provide. If he were to go somewhere, people will have to pick him up. If he needs food, he probably needs people to get him the food and bring it to him. He needs something. And and Peter and John were there. They were seeing the needs of the people, but they were also there to meet the needs of the people. The Bible goes on in this portion of Scripture in chapter number 3, verse number 5, and he gave heed unto them, expecting them to receive something of them. And look, this man came looking for a, a coin. He was looking for some silver and gold. He was looking for something, but he was about to find something far greater, and that was a cure for everything he'd ever dealt with his entire life. And there's a, there's a, a, a biblical principle, and, and as we find in this portion of Scripture, this man was a, uh, an individual that was lame. He needed somebody, and the, the priority of the disciples were to see the needs of the people, but meet the needs of the people. You stay right there. I'll get to you here in just a few moments. You see the priority in this portion of Scripture of power and pray, uh, praise. You see in chapter number 3, you see something amazing take place. Chapter number 3, verse number 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. All of a sudden you begin to see that not only do you see the power of God as he says, Rise up and walk. But you see the priority of praise there. Now, we're going somewhere here in just a few moments because what he had just done, rightfully so. Imagine for me for just a moment, you're you're crippled at birth. You can't do anything in and of yourself. You can't do anything by yourself. You need people. Uh, You need uh, help all the time. And and this portion of Scripture begins to reveal that this, this miracle got his attention... The man rises up. Let me just illustrate this for just a moment. You're, you're acting as though the, the man that is crippled rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, he, he rises up. Now, I need you to, to leap and hop and jump in just for a few moments. I mean, he's excited. All right, come back over here. You're crippled again for just a few moments. But it got the attention of others as well. Notice what takes place. In verse number 11, the Bible says, And the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. They were, they were filled with amazement here. What has just taken place? You see, one of the things that's exciting about this portion of Scripture is if you, wanna, if you really want to get people's attention, live a changed life. You say, I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian my whole life, but people still treat me as though I'm the old person. Well, are you still living that way? You want people to say, hey, you're not the same person? Then live a changed life. Give your life to the Lord. You see, the moment that you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, that, that old man, that old nature is going to be there to creep up every once in a while. God says, oh, I have something far greater for you. That means all of a sudden you put aside all that filthy music. You put aside all those filthy conversations. You stopped watching those filthy shows. You stopped going to those filthy places. You stopped doing those filthy things. You said, no, I'm changed. I'm saved. I've got a new way. You want to live a life that's changing other people's lives? Let them see that God is changing you. That's exactly what took place here. These people, notice what the Bible says right here. And it says right here. In verse number 11, As the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And Peter saw it. He answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or look, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power of holiness we had made this man to walk? Now, in verse number 10, it gives some inclination that they knew this person. They knew this man that had been crippled his whole life. Because in verse number 10, it says, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate. They had known all these things. And so whenever they see this man walking, they say, hold up, something's different. Well, what a blessing it is when people walk up to you, and they ought to, and say, man, you're a different person. There's something different about you. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, this man was crippled, he he had nothing, these individuals would often be found in the temple because they were crowded places, they'd often be found by rich people's houses, you go and you look in Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 19, it says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and in fine linen and faced uh, sumptuously uh, every day and... And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And they would be found at places of rich people's houses. be found in the highways, if you would. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 46, it says, And they came to Jericho. And as he went out to Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people blind Bartimaeus, the son of Tima- Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. These people would be found begging. This man right here was a man that was lame. He needed somebody to help him. This pictures us, if you would, as being sinners that also need some help. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 3, verse number 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah 64, verse number 6, But we are all as unclean things, and all our unrighteous uh, righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. This is what we are pictured as right here. He was lame, but he was also lame from birth. One of the things that we come to realize is that we are born into sin. We are sinners from birth. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 5, verse number 12, Wherefore is by one man sin and entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all that have sinned." You see, this man was lame. If he wanted someone to carry him somewhere, or ta- if he wanted to go somewhere, he had to get people to carry him. Jaden, I know you don't like your brother too much, but come and help me for just a moment if you would. Slide a bit. If he wanted to get somewhere, that's about all he could do. If he were to say, I I need someone to take me to get some food, this is what it would more than likely look like. I'm going to turn myself This is what it looked like. Imagine for me for just a moment having to carry a lame man around everywhere. Imagine if you had an individual that was close to you and they said, hey, I need you to take me up those stairs. Imagine with me for just a moment we'd have to take him up these stairs. Uh -uh. Set him back down. If he wanted to go somewhere, he had to beg. Imagine with me for just a moment the, the amount of times that he would be there and he, people would be walking, and he'd say, Please help me, please help me, I need to go, I need to. And people just walking by. No, 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 I don't have time for that. I, I can't do that. Imagine his whole life was that way. Peter and John come on to this, the, the, into the story of this man's life. And by the way, this man was alive during the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus didn't see fit to heal him at the time for a greater reason. Watch this. Peter and John walk into the city. This man sees Peter and John. He's begging. I imagine John is walking and Peter sees the man. And this is exactly what I imagine it looked like. Peter's standing there and he sees the man. Pitiful looking. He's lame. He can't do anything for himself. And notice with me, if you would, the Bible goes on to tell us that in this portion of Scripture, In verse number 3, it says, Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. He begins to beg. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. This man thought he was about to get some coins. He thinks, I've hit the jackpot. Not realizing he actually did hit the jackpot. Because in verse number 5, he says, And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And and notice what Peter said. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. might not seem like a lot to the world. Man, Jesus changes everything. He says, I don't have silver and gold. Look, I don't have anything to give you, but what I'm about to give you is much greater. He says... In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. He helped him up. Man, I, I just I picture this. This man is no longer lame any longer. He, he's probably thinking, man, I, my legs, I, I've never felt this before. It feels a little weird. I don't know what this is supposed to feel like. And the Bible goes on and says, And he leaping up stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this reaction that this man shares is a reaction, rightfully so. As a matter of fact, I I look at this portion of Scripture and I say, man, I would do the same exact thing. And so this morning, you guys can be seated. This morning, I want you to see this for just a few moments, and we might not get very much further tonight. You might have to come back tonight. But this man begins to realize that his lame status and his limited lifestyle began to reflect some things that we find to be true. He was limited in his happiness. Imagine sitting there your whole life and you you can't go nowhere. You can't do anything. You want to go somewhere, somebody's got to come and pick you up and take you. Imagine for me just for a few moments, this this man, his his health was limited. He, He couldn't do anything. A preacher that was with us, recently was asked a question as he was sharing an example, and he said that many people would ask him, why do bad things keep happening in the world? Why is cancer around? Why is this happening? Why do good people die? All these things, and he, he said he was stunned by that, and he said, I can't answer that question. And the answer is found in the book of Genesis, when sin entered into the world, everything bad came with it. You see, sin does exactly that. It limits our health, it limits our happiness. Some of you might have come into the house of God this morning and you put on the brave face, you know exactly what to say and how to say it, but deep down you know you're unhappy and it's because sin has been taking place in your life. You say i just i'm I'm miserable. And you know what happens whenever you find yourself miserable and you're around happy people, they get on your nerves, don't they? Why are they so happy all the time? they always just so chippy about everything. Oh, it's good to see you yeah, it's good to see you too, you know you know what I'm talking about? If you're miserable, you want to be joined in that misery, don't you? Sin does exactly that. This man had found his limited health and limited happiness, but he also was finding that his lifestyle was limited. He couldn't do much. Imagine with me in 2022 if an individual was crippled for just a few moments. I was thinking about this as we were at the hospital, and we were at the hospital the other day, and I saw a young child in a wheelchair, and they were crippled, I could tell. And I began to think about that. That child probably at times will look at at people and say, Man, I'm missing out on all these things. How many times do we take those things for granted? But at the same time, I imagine that if that child could be introduced to Jesus, that person, that child would realize rather quickly in life that, hey, it wasn't about all the activities, it's always about Jesus. Some of the greatest testimonies that I've ever heard are from people who are enduring conditions that are struggling and you wonder how could they be happy and it's only by the peace of God. It's a testimony that God uses. And this man, his lifestyle was limited. His, his hobbies, I imagine, his work. And in 2022, can I share with you that sin will limit all of those things. You keep living in sin and you let sin control you, your, works, your work habits will be poor. You'll be late because you've given yourself to all these other things. It just got tired of listening to me, y'all. It's all right. Is that Brother John's or the church? If it's the the is, then it's broke already anyways. Sin will do that. This man, his lifestyle was limited. Can I share with you, if you're miserable today, quit blaming everyone around you and quit blaming the Lord. Get your sin right. Deal with it. This man right here, you find that his sin was, uh, this this picture of sin that we see here, that crippledness. This morning, we're going to stop there. We'll get to the rest of it this evening. But as you continue walking on down, you begin to see that Peter, and I'm just going to give you a summary. Some of you aren't going to be able to make it back tonight. I understand that. This is Peter's one chance. Peter says, rise up and walk. Imagine with me the mob coming over to Peter. They're amazed. At this time, Peter could have stood up and he could have said, you see what I just did? You see what I've just accomplished? You see all of what was going on in that man's life? And I said, rise up and walk. And you see exactly what he did? That's because I'm a powerful one. I'm a holy one. Look at what I can do. Notice what Peter does. And As the lamb man, verse 11, which was healed, ran, held, uh, healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw, he answered the people. Hey, what's he answering? Hey, look at me. No, no, no. He says this. Ye men of Israel, why marvel at ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by... By our own power of holiness, we had made this man to walk. As I was sitting in the hospital, I'm closing with this. You'll have to come back for the rest of it tonight. As I was sitting in the hospital holding my son, I already knew what I was preaching. But you know how the Lord works. As I was holding that little baby after... Looking back, and I know the term, the rainbow baby, and and the miscarriages that Kelly went through, and and, and all of that, and the, the, the struggle over that year's time, and as I was holding that little baby, I began to think about the blessing that he was. And he is. And I began to think about that. Man, what a blessing. The longer that I held that baby, I began to think, man, I'm thankful for this blessing. But I'm more thankful for the one that blessed us with this blessing. Because if it wasn't for that one, I wouldn't have this blessing. And if it wasn't for that one, I wouldn't have endured that struggle. And if it wasn't for that one, I wouldn't be standing up here this morning preaching. If it wasn't for that one, there are a lot of things. We go on and on. There wouldn't be a lot of the blessings that we have. And so this morning I asked this question. Are you more thankful for the blessing or the blesser? You see, Peter, instead of saying, look at what I have done, look at what I just was able to accomplish, he turns the focus and says, no, it's not about that man. It's about that man. The one that you denied, as a matter of fact. You see, our world likes to marvel at the miracles that are taking place, but never give credit to the one who's performing all those miracles. This morning there have been people who have walked up and people who have called and people who have asked, man, and said things along the lines of, "Man, what God has done in y'all's church is amazing." It'd be very easy for us to puff up our chest and say, "Yeah, it is." Look at what we've done, man. We got a new piece of property. Look at that gymnasium that we've been able. To. No, 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 no. It's impressive, all right. It's not us. It's God. This morning, I close by asking this question, and we'll finish it this evening. There's so much here. Are you more thankful for the blessing or the blesser? I understand every single one of us are going to raise our hands this morning and say, Oh, I'm more thankful for the blesser. If we were to take a poll on your life and how you live your life, would the committee of 100 people say, oh, I think they're more thankful for the blessing than the blesser. Or would they say, No, I think they're more thankful for the Lord than the blessings He's given them. Lord, we do thank You. Lord, I pray that our lives would illustrate and point others to You. That as You bless our lives and You give us and You show us and You move us and direct us and guide us, Lord, as we look at the many blessings in our lives, Lord, I pray that we would not lose sight that if it was not for You, we would not have any of those things. We thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross. We thank You for salvation. We thank You for all the many blessings And that the Christian life and living the Christian life and communing with you and having a relationship with you and fellowshipping with you, man, the blessing after blessing and the the health and the the, the physical blessings and all the many things that we have, Lord, we thank you for those things. Lord, I pray that we'd be a thankful people for you simply just because of who you are. What a Savior. Lord, if we were to walk through the Scriptures, we'd find ourselves amazed at your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, help us to be a thankful people for our Savior. I pray that you would guide us, Lord, use this time of invitation, Lord, to commit ourselves to being thankful for the blesser, and not just the blessing. Lord, if we've forgotten to tell you thankful for some of the things you've done in our lives, may we find ourselves at the altar this morning thanking you for those things. I thank you, Lord, for that blessing of a child that you've given us recently. Thank you for the blessing of this property. I thank you for the blessing of Lord, new families, I thank you for all of what you've done and what you're continuing to do. Lord, help us to be more thankful for you. For without you, none of it would be worth it. Wouldn't it wouldn't be possible. We thank you for you. Guide us now. Use this invitation the way you see fit. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.